1: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, October 2nd. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. As always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you what you need to make this a profitable sports day. And, of course, we're trying to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev... I said one of two things would happen. I said either the Jets would get their first win or I would be here at 7.03 in the morning talking about they need to fire Adam Gaze. Well, here we are, Kev, and it is 7.03 in the morning, and the Jets didn't get a win because they did, in fact, let QB3 in Brett Rippon come in there, throw for 242 yards, including two touchdowns, one a, you know, a touchdown to Jerry Judy where he just snatched it out of the defense there's hands Melvin Gordon runs for 107 yards and two touchdowns and the depleted demoralized debunked Denver Broncos come in there and hand the Jets a 37 28 loss there's so many places to go here what is the headline story for you
2: uh Adam Gay's keeping his job is the headline story to be honest as if Greg Williams did anything to justify taking an interim tag into this game. I mean, they were pretty awful on both sides of the football. Like, Brett Rippon threw three passes to that uh, Jets defense, one of them resulting in a pick six. So that, you know, pumped up the Jets' offensive numbers. They only had one offensive touchdown. It was the first drive of the game, and it was a play that is not in the playbook. There's no Sam Darnold look like the best athlete in the world and rush for a 50-yard touchdown in the playbook. He just made a great play. That was about the last of the great plays. Jameson Crowder catch, not not much else came after that on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I mean, they just... The DeSere interception was very nice. That was a great play. (laughs) That was a great play on the defensive side of the ball. And look, even the pick six, I mean, he was great. He did get mossed by Jerry Judy up and down (laughs) games. I mean, but they, they didn't, they forced, I think one Broncos punt. Like they, they were awful on that side of the ball. And we now know that Gase isn't going to be going anywhere. Ultimately up until I think week 10 in terms of games where you're like, okay, that's a real, real shot. Maybe two of them. With a trip to LA to see the Chargers and I think a trip to Miami to see the Dolphins. Yeah. And at this rate, who knows if you can't get the job done here against Denver, short week at home, primetime, Brett Rippon as a quarterback. Although, to be fair, I think he looked much better than people thought. Like the interceptions, obviously costly, but you're making some real good yeah. throws. It's a spot here, man, where they're not going to fire him. And
1: at the end of the day, does it matter? I don't know. So here's the thing for me, because we've had this conversation, right? I, I I think it matters in the sense that I am worried about where this narrative goes for Sam Darnold. Okay, like, did he play amazing? No. Can he make plays? Are there still splashes there? Yes. And so for me, the question is, when we're sta- sitting here next January or February or March, right, does the new regime still want to give a shot with Sam Darnold? Or do they have to turn their top five pick into a Justin Fields? I think that is the question for the Jets as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up early with us, Dane and Kevin, on the early line. You know what I mean? Because I could see – I think we need to protect – The Jets fans have to understand and protect whatever Sam Darnold is. I do still think he is a starting quarterback and potentially a good one in the NFL. But, you know, I worry about where the narrative goes with him if this becomes some kind of 0-16, 1-15 kind of team. And then the Jets will be standing there. Do they take the Oregon offensive lineman to build around Sam Darnold or do they take a Trevor Lawrence?
2: Sam Darnold's done. If they end up with a draft pick as high as we believe, his time in New York Hmm. is likely done. Maybe he sticks around and competes for the job. I think all things considered, especially that they're very likely to bring in a new head coach, it just makes sense to start fresh. It just does, especially if they have the number one overall pick. You consider the pedigree that Trevor Lawrence is coming into the draft with. I think passing up on him, and also even, Dane, just from the contract spot there, you know, you're going to have a fresh right, set. Right. They got to pick up the 50 option. Right. Yeah. It's just, do you really want to go for all that? I want to make sure I say on this game, though, because it was a game that we were able to be profitable in. We said, you yeah. know, as bad as these offenses are, these are real bad defenses. And both defenses were picked on. Jameson Crowder had a yeah. 50 and a half receiving yard mark. And really, it felt like the only way you would miss that is if he did re injure the hamstring. 104, doubled it up. That was great mm-hmm. to see. Frank Gore certainly disappointed, and Michael P. Ryan involved maybe more than we would have thought, even Balaj in the past game. So maybe you want to leave mm-hmm. those at home. But on the Denver side of thing, Brett Rippon's uh, yards prop was 204.5. He ends up flying over that in a game where he throws three interceptions. Melvin breaks one late to send all rushing mm-hmm. plus rushing and receiving yard props over the number, doubles up as a double touchdown scorer. Tim Patrick yeah. as option three in the past game was great. Hamler got Mm -hmm. hurt, Fant got hurt. Those are your guys that missed. Jerry Judy only needed two catches to go over his yards prop. So keep that in mind when these two teams take the field next. Don't be scared to get on some of these offensive props.
1: Defense is not good. Yeah, for sure. We are seeing scoring in the NFL at a record pace. Even these two teams are flying over. You know, with the Jets, we'll see, right? Like, might they look better when they have two of their other starting wide receivers? They're starting running back? Maybe. But it could be just too big of a dumpster fire. We got a bunch of other games to discuss, including a game that won't happen in week four. We'll talk about all that when we come back. It's Football Friday on the Early Line Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. It is a football Friday here as we go into week four. But, Kev, I guess we have to talk about like, you know, we have headline games and key matchups and all that stuff. And and there's a, a lot of key AFC games we're going to get into, right, like Raiders Bills, uh, Chiefs Pats that we're definitely going to talk about. Titans Steelers would have been, Kevin, another very key AFC matchup with three undefeated teams fighting for the, like we talked about that second tier in the AFC, but mm-hmm. well, you got to believe both of those teams would have been in it, but Kevin, the word came down yesterday, um, Steelers Titans will not be part of week four, they were holding out hope that it could happen on Monday. It will not happen, there were additional positive tests on the Tennessee organization yesterday. And so they're still waiting to figure out when and how it'll happen. But what you need to know is that it will not be part of week four. I think this was their only move, Kev. I remember earlier in the week you were talking about how you know, the, the the time gives you a kind of a window, unlike in baseball, but with the test mm-hmm. continuing to go positive, they, they really, they had to kind of put a lid on this for now, do the contact tracing, and they'll figure it out down the road. Yeah, they made the right decision. They they didn't try to force the, the envelope here, which obviously
2: should have never been an option, and they right. pulled the game off. We've heard kind of there's um, looking to be an easy fix in the schedule that, pushes the Steelers-Ravens game uh, to either week 7 or 8. And then, yeah, Yeah. the Titans-Steelers will play week 7 or 8. So, uh, due to bye weeks, it looks like they're going to be able to find an easy fix, uh, hoping that this is the only game where you might see some trouble uh, with this situation. Now, that obviously is wishful thinking. And I will say, I think one of the big things we learned now, Dane, is if you see a positive test, Feels like it's a guarantee. Then those uh, that game cannot be played the following yeah. week because I mean as it snowballs, morning, right? Long, say again. I
1: was going to say it snowballs, and we saw that with the Marlins, right? Yeah. Four becomes seven, becomes eleven. We saw that with Tennessee, like you know, it was it was four becomes nine. I think we're up to eleven or so now. But yeah, I mean that is the nature of this, right? And there's like a I mean, I'm not trying to play a doctor, but there's, a, there's an incubation period of this mm-hmm. before it will show up. So you could be negative and then test positive in a day or two. We are seeing that, unfortunately, across this fair country. Um, and so, you know, the right call. Let me ask you this. You said it might be wishful thinking that this is going to be the only time it happens. I wonder. Remember when the schedule came out, one of the things the NFL was doing was talking to the city of Tampa Bay? about another Super Bowl mm-hmm. option if they needed to push it back. I wonder yeah. if the smart decision at this point would be to not try to make this one work by manipulating bye weeks, but to accept and acknowledge that you maybe need a week 18. This way, when a second time happens or a third time happens, you have that you know built-in flexibility instead of having to try to do this again.
2: I hear you. It's... It's tough to say if it, if it arises again, is it as easy of a fix? I don't know. If it doesn't arise again, though, and now we're playing a Week 18 game that throws everything off the board, yeah. when you had such an easy fix on the board, I think, and there's probably a reason, though, Dane, to be fair, why they haven't already locked in what we believe to be the easy fix. And I think the biggest thing, though, is not this game, not whether it's Week 7, Week 8, Week 18, it's next week's game. That's the, that's the big yeah. thing right now for the Tennessee Titans is are they playing in week five?
1: Yeah, I think that's right, Kev, because also there are reports that, you know, some, some of these members of the Titans organization who have tested positive are symptomatic, right? And so who knows, <laughs> you know, how long that takes. And what I've heard, you know, the idea, we all know this kind of time horizon of 14 days, well— That puts week five in jeopardy for the Tennessee Titans as well. So we'll figure it out, I guess. You know, I'm sure there's contingency plans here. The reason I talk about week 18, Kev, is you're still before the buys here in the NFL schedule, right? So you have that wiggle room. What happens if and when this happens in week nine or ten with teams who have already had their buy and you don't have that? Like, I I fear that going with this – More obvious low hanging fruit reshuffling. Could only later on paint them in the corner if they don't have that low-hanging fruit option to go to anymore further along down the season, as opposed to just like starting to make this now and be more proactive about it. But then again, we don't know. It might be the only breakout. It might not. We've remember, Kev, at the MLS's back tournament when two teams were gone, we're like, they ain't even gonna finish. There were no other breakouts, although the Colorado Rapids in Major League Soccer have one right now. In Major League Baseball, we saw the Marlins and the Cardinals. We were like, uh-oh and then it stopped. So we'll see if the new COVID measures the NFL put in place um, will actually be effective. Kev, as we move on though, we got plenty of teams that are playing in week 4 and we got a poll question up, Kev, because this is a sort of, you know, the quarter poll of the season. Head coaches, I know, think about the season in chunks of four games in quarters. Fantasy managers are like, up oh, now there's a track record that I can hang my hat on. I'll cut bait on some people. So this is a big week, and we asked everybody at Spit and Speeds, at Sports Grid, at Kevin Walsh, which team has the most on the line in week four? And you could see that in a lot of different ways, but the options we gave you are the one and two Cowboys, the one and two Saints, the two and one Raiders, or someone else, or someone's already picking your eagles as an option who do you think has the most on the line here in week four kev i think there's a lot of options i will say i
2: i like that the raiders make the poll as yeah. usually a lot of people will think oh who is trying to save their season the raiders right have the opportunity to move to three and one create very real distance between them and the other two teams in their division that is, that is a lot on the line. So it doesn't always just have to be who's looking to save their season. And that's why I thought they, you know, they're, they're willing to be you know, of the three choices plus the other in the poll. Uh, they've got a very, very big game coming up against Buffalo.
1: They absolutely do. My vote personally was the New Orleans Saints on this one, Kev. I think they had the highest expectations of all these teams coming in. People thought they were a Super Bowl contender. And for me, the narrative of Drew Brees is another piece of this. Because people are starting to say that Drew Brees, you know, doesn't have the arm strength, that Drew Brees is not himself. And this team goes to one in three. I think the narrative around, you know, the Saints window closing, Drew Brees being off the cliff, I think that becomes uh, viable if the Saints fall again. So for me, this one is huge for the New Orleans Saints. But you mentioned the Raiders. The Raiders are 2-1. They host the 3-0 Buffalo Bills in a key uh, AFC matchup, in my opinion. My question for you is, is Josh Allen going to just continue being this revelation, being this top-five quarterback-esque in the NFL? Because I don't think the Raiders' defense really has much, you know, in the way of stopping quarterbacks left and right.
2: This is a spot where right now we see the Bills laying three, but at minus 120. So if the hook becomes available, that will feel valuable on the Raiders' side of this ball. I've gone back and forth on this game here, Dane. And the thing is with the Raiders, I really don't think I can hold it against them when the outcome in in their last game was exactly what I had expected. Said the Mm -hmm. Patriots would roll them, and they got rolled. So why should I be so low on them? But what's jarring to me is that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of overreaction to Buffalo's nice win, to the Raiders getting rolled. This three does feel fair. It it feels probably like where it should be. So that's what I'm trying to battle right now. Vegas, their last home game, did a really nice job out. The Bills... Do the Bills take the right lessons from their last performance? 28-3 lead, down 32-28. Come back, win the game. Do you start to think that you're the Kansas City Chiefs and don't worry about it, we'll figure it out, we can turn it on, we can figure it out, we can stop bleeding? Or do you say, listen, we got to get up early and leave the distance throughout the entirety of the game? I struggle here on the side, but if I had to lean... I think I lean on the Raiders side of this ball, especially if we can
1: get that hook. All right. Fair enough. The hook could be something to watch for. I'm watching to see the availability of Zach Moss as well, because if not, I'll go right back to Devin Singletary on some of those prop bets. He's looking for his fourth in a row on the road with over 80 scrimmage yards. And I hit him at like 83 and a half in a prop bet. So I'll be looking at that one. The marquee AFC matchup between Kansas City and New England is what we talk about when we come back after the Sports Grid News update Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. And by everybody, we include our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up very early with us, Kev. I think the marquee game of week four is Chiefs and and, and these New England Patriots, right? And, and here's what I want to ask you about. I'm going to try to put together some of the things uh, conceptually, strategically, That I know we have said previously in the season, and I want to see if you agree with the conclusion that I come to. We said that Cam Newton gives this Patriots offense another element in the run game, right? And then remember when they actually lost to Seattle, how you were impressed with the ability that Cam Newton not only had the run element, but had the throwing element as well, was throwing dimes over the top to Julian Edelman and could actually, you know, sling it with his arm as well. I remember on Monday Night Football also, Kev, we asked the same thing of Lamar Jackson. And we came away from that game being like, yeah, they're going to be able to run the ball amazing. But when he is asked the question, right, of delivering from the pocket, outside the numbers, doing all that, he still has room to grow. He still has questions left to answer. You think Cam Newton and the Patriots can answer those questions. So if I put those two things together, is it not true that Cam Newton and the Patriots may be the most danger to the Kansas City Chiefs? Because I look at Buffalo and Josh Allen still makes mistakes, right? I look at Tennessee and, you know, they've got COVID. I don't know if both of those elements, right? We have been lauding the Patriots as being able to beat you with the run and then have an answer to that other question when posed. Are they like kind of the most dual natured team that can actually threaten the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: They might be. The AFC is is very interesting. There's a lot of. I mean, right now we shouldn't get through it because there's a lot to get to. But if you went through it, you would probably find yourself feeling as if there are already six positions of the seven locked up. It's only been five for me, but go ahead. Yep. So right now. And, and I know the one spot where you're probably going back and forth. But still, right now, the Pats come in here. We saw them answer some questions in prime time against the Seahawks, the ability to throw the football. What we can't forget in that game, though, is a defense looked much different than the defense hmm. that we came to know last year. And to be fair for the Pats, as that season continued, that defense started to look different. We saw the Ravens. We saw the Chiefs. We saw the Texans take it to them. And Mm -hmm. as, you know, we've got, you know, getting ready for this show here. It's a game that I went back and forth on quite a bit. The hook felt valuable either direction. And the hook has actually gone the other way. People wanting to buy the Pats. People believing that the Patriots can get the job done. And we've been down this road before. Mm -hmm. But... The Kansas City Chiefs look like the best team in football. Patrick Mahomes looks like there is a mission, constantly counting on his fingers, the people right Right. ahead of him in the the NFL Top 100. And this offense is so good. This defense had a great performance against the Ravens as well on Monday Night Football. And what I'm going to be looking for in this game is do the Chiefs come out, to start this game on fire. Maybe they had a letdown against the Chargers, but that was what I had said could be possible for this team in terms of ways they can improve. Stop starting slow. Stop making right. Patrick Mahomes and this offense come back from you know what a one-possession game, a two-possession game. Just come out early, take the lead, control the tempo. They did it week one. They certainly did it in week number three. And if they do that here again, it becomes a difficult task still for the Patriots. Even if Cam Newton feels like a guy who can, if necessary, get up to 350 passing yards, that's still not the way they are designed. So I still lean Chiefs in this spot. And the thing to me to watch is how they start this football game.
1: No, I agree with you, Kevin. That's why you say, you know, that's not the way they are designed. But we saw that when pushed into that situation in Seattle, Cam Newton could go to the, the left hand, as it were, right, when we talk about how Bill Belichick may want to do it. And and there was a point in uh, Monday Night Football, right, you even said it, oh, it was a one-score game, or, oh, they were still close, right? And that's where Lamar would have had to, you know, show that side of the game, you know, to get a backdoor cover if it was seven or seven and a half, right? And so could Cam keep that going, you know, dink and dunk or in that garbage time? I also want to ask you on the other side. This is something we talk about all the time also, Kev. Bill Belichick on defense likes to take away what you do best, right? What is that for the Chiefs? <laughs> you know what I mean? We talked about them as like an absolute crazy fantasy herd. I, You know, we don't have to get into it, but I told you, I remember in week one, it looked like Houston was playing the deep safeties. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes off. In week three, the Ravens decide to blitz a lot. Patrick Mahomes, you know, can run and throw over the top. What do you think Bill Belichick will try to do to stop this amazing elite fantasy herd with three wide receivers that won 4-3 or better, the best tight end in the game in Travis Kelsey, and what we are seeing out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the receiving game as well? Like, if you're Belichick, what's the right hand that you're trying to slow here in this one?
2: I guess Kelsey, because it's his favorite option. But there's a reason why the Chiefs are favored to win the Super Bowl. Okay, right. so what, are you going to pack the middle, right, and, and worry sure. about underneath Kelsey throws? Disaster. Worry about, like, there's a reason this is who they are. And this by the way, right? qu- like, quietly, Andy Reid kind of had Bill's number the past couple of years. Quietly, for, or maybe not quietly, but like kind of had Bill's number. So, like, listen, he, Bill, obviously, he's the best coach ever. I get it. Sure. It's, I don't know if he's still the best coach in the league, though. I don't know if that's a crazy hot take for people, but like the defending
1: Super Bowl coach is on the Chiefs sideline, not the Patriots. No, that is absolutely true. We will see um, how this one shakes out. It is definitely a marquee matchup. I I think that Cam is going to continue to surprise people. I don't know if he's gonna win the game, but I do think the pat the Patriots offer. A tougher challenge than they even saw out of Baltimore last week because they were able to eventually try to force them to be one dimensional. I think the Patriots have the two dimensions, the two elements on offense that we have talked about. And so it's a little bit different. Another game I want to talk about there's some interconference matchups, an NFC team versus an AFC team this week. And with games and totals, In the 50s, Kevin, one of them is the Cowboys versus the Browns. I believe this total stands at 55. I have the Cowboys at minus 4.5, although the line may have moved a little bit overnight. I want to ask you about this one. I have a thesis on these Cleveland Browns. You've heard it. In week one, they got boat raced by Baltimore, right? And so they weren't able, in my opinion, to get into the game that they want. What is the game they want? Their two best one-two punch running backs in football, Chubb and Hunt, and then being able to play action off of that. They were able to do that against Cincinnati. They were able to do that against Washington. Baker Mayfield's stats and passer rating are ridiculously night and day when he's in the pocket versus when he's going off play action. I believe that is huge for the Cleveland Browns, that they actually should want to run the ball more. And then Kev, for the Dallas Cowboys, I, I kind of feel the same thing. Dak Prescott is going absolutely bonkers in the passing game, but they don't. you can't forget about feeding Ezekiel Elliott. This game is a total in the 50, is 55 or 56 and a half. It's even moved up. I wonder, though, Kev, this may be one where I go under. I know it sounds crazy because I wonder if both teams may try to run the ball more than they have in previous weeks.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think anyone's going to call you crazy for going under 56 and a half. I mean, it's an outrageous total. And these are two teams that both will look to move the ball on the ground. The question you have to ask yourself is, is that going to be stopped? Like, just because there's a bunch of run plays doesn't mean that the drives don't result in touchdowns. And the Dallas well, they Cowboys take longer. right now. Well, they, yeah, they might take longer. But if everything ends in seven, it doesn't give a damn how long it takes. And the way that the Cowboys are, are moving the football right now and the way that they look defensively, you know, they I mean, they are playing to monstrous total after monstrous total. That's two weeks in a row. Right. Week number one was a stone cold under for that football team. The Browns, you know, they're now playing us some overs. They've gotten themselves up in the 30s two consecutive weeks as well. This is a game that annoys the crap out of me, though, because I was going to go 16-0 and betting the Dallas Cowboys this year, and then they messed everything up with the Falcons, and I've been a little bit on tilt ever since. I don't know what to do with them. This would have been the perfect come-back-to-him spot going yeah. up against the Cleveland Browns. I got this feeling that Odell's due for a big game. I think Chubb, I think Zeke, I think the backs are involved on both sides here. If I'm going to play a side, I think I might lean points. I I think there might be a shot here for uh, Dallas to win the
1: game, but still not get the cover. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. My lean uh, might be towards Cleveland as well, but something like a, you know, this could be a good old 27-24 kind of thing. This could be a 23-20 kind of thing. The point spread could, in fact, matter. I talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as the best 1-2 combo at the running back position in the NFL. They are the only running back teammates in the NFL right now who both have over 200 yards. And there was a little bit of a concern about Kareem Hunt. Kev, he was on the injury report, but now we are hearing he's uh, he should be good to go for week four against Dallas.
2: And Kareem Hunt's rushing plus receiving is it each of the first three weeks. Though the rushing side of that number has been carrying the load each week, it's tough for a, a better to decide. Do you really want to leave the receiving yards at home? Though it's not really doing much for you when you're making that bet, but that is the you know the role that he does seem best suited to play. Uh, keep look uh, a look on that number; it's been still around the 60s. If that gets up to the 70s, 80s, maybe better off leaving it at home this week. Though it's three and zero on the year.
1: All right, fair enough. When we come back, we got more games to preview, and I got a couple of others that we could find some DFS stacks in for Week Four. We'll look at them when we come back here on the early line. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here to the early line on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and my man Kevin Walsh burning the candle, trying to figure out how to make it a profitable day for you, Kev. We got some interesting interconference week four matchups, in my opinion, and the one we're talking about now certainly fits that description. The ON3. Minnesota Vikings, who had their team facility shut down for part of the week. They, you know, travel right now. They're with whatever anxiety they had. They're getting on a plane, going to Houston to take on the 0-3 Texans. We got a a three-and-a-half Texans line in this one. The total is 53-and-a-half. Another one, Kev, where... You know, the total is in the 50s. There have been points at a record clip in this one. I think this one is going to have some points scored as well. Do you think that the Minnesota passing attack, Justin Jefferson popping off last week, do you think that'll still happen? Or... Do they go right back to Dalvin Cook? Because this Houston Texans run defense has been gashed three weeks in a row. Week one by Clyde Edwards Hilaire, week two by the entire Baltimore Ravens, and in week three, James Conner ran for over a hundred yards. So what's in the what's in the plans for Dalvin Cook?
2: I mean, Dalvin Cook should have a monstrous day, but the last time the Vikings went on the road, they looked like the worst offense I've ever seen. Right. So. I don't really know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to trust this team whatsoever to hold up their end of the deal. You've got the Texans; they should finally win. If we've been, if we're going to do this whole, it was the Chiefs and then it was the Ravens. Level of competition. Then it was the Steelers. Well, then they should beat the Vikings handedly, handedly. And yeah. I do wonder: had Minnesota been able to hold off that game against Tennessee, might the hook not be here? The hook is here, so be it. The Texans look good to start that game against the Steelers. It's a tough place to play still in Pittsburgh, whether there's fans or not. You're on the road. Give me the Texans, lay in three and a half, fading Kirk Cousins on the road, and Mm -hmm. hope that Deshaun Watson goes out there and has an MVP caliber day against a defense that's completely lost its
1: ways. Yeah, you know, I will say this. Something that happens when teams are 0-3, Kev, Our turnovers. Okay, and that has been biting both of these teams as well. The Houston Texans are minus four on the young season. No takeaways and four giveaways for the Texans. But the Vikings are minus five <laughs> on the season already, right? So watch out for the big mistake in this one as well. With If we think that it would be a high-scoring game, maybe that turnover is that extra like break of serve like we see in tennis. I'd keep an eye out on the turnover battle in this one as well. Kev, Um, Another game, uh, two teams, NFC versus AFC, is Seattle going all the way to Miami. This is literally the longest flight Possible In the NFL, going from Seattle to Miami, the Seahawks are undefeated. Everyone knows about letting Russ cook his 14 touchdowns so far. The most in NFL history passing through only three games. They have been absolutely unbelievable with one of the best offenses in the NFL. So, Russell Wilson, with his passer rating, leading the NFL, we know about Russ. Do you think that the injury to Chris Carson matters, right? Because they're they're throwing the ball left and right anyway. We know Carson, but was that the threat of a run game? Did that matter with defenses playing against them? Because I believe we're going to see Carlos Hyde. We'll still get more info on Chris Carson as we go along this week. We always check the practice reports on Friday. But is the threat of the run game changing? Anything for how Miami plays defense? Anything for Russ cooking differently on Sunday?
2: No, and I swear if we find out the defenses were like, oh, now we'll guard the pass that Chris Carson is gone. Like that's just an outrage. Like no, like Russell Wilson's just been dominating these teams whether Carson is there or not. And I can pretend to give the ball to Travis Homer and if you bite, touchdown, no problem.
1: It's not playing like, that. It's it's more, Kev, and because we say this a bunch. For me, it's more of like the threat of. It's not playing the run. It's the more the threat of play action. Russell Wilson with his deep ball and play, ac- and that so I mean, play action. That's they bite on play
2: action regardless. Like that. Okay. that the, the reality is. Like play action is effective whether you establish the run or not. Like okay. it, it'll always work. That's what we've seen in the NFL. And I look at this game here, and we have tried each and every week to identify the trap spots, the landmarks, yep. stay away yep. teasers, money line parlays, everything. And this is a game that has that vibe to it. It does. They're traveling, as you said, as far as you possibly yep. can. The one o'clock start time, little yep. banged up. Miami's got the extended rest. It's fits, it's fits, it's fits. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Talk to me. What is Miami supposed to do to stop Seattle? Because the Seahawks have had letdown spots like this before, but it's because they do garbage. Like, somehow get down 7 nothing to start the game. They trail the entire first half. One more possession where they make it a two-possession game. And then they finally unleash, Rush, uh, unleash Russ. And he's then just not able to get him across the goal line. And they lose by two points, right? But if the Seahawks are different, if the Seahawks really are different, then it, they're going to go out here and going to score right away. And they're going to score on the first possession and the second possession and the third po- And they're just going to keep doing it. So here's the thing to me. If you're on the Miami side here, I feel like the under's the play. I feel like it's a bad offensive day for the Seahawks. The path of the Dolphins is a there, sloppy game. Is slop. Yeah, I, that's, that's how I see it. And I don't know right now how... I can confidently bet on the Seahawks to struggle offensively because nothing they're doing is fluky. Like, they have excellent wide receivers, an excellent quarterback who throws an excellent deep ball, and they're just continually letting him do that. Like, there's nothing about that. They're not going up against a a defense that, what I thought it might be coming into the year, I'm not going to get fooled by a struggling Gardner Minshew performance. I think Brian Flores is a good coach, but unless to me this thing sails under, then the Seahawks are always going to be in cover range. And the fact that right. it's down to six, now I would feel less concerned about the back door.
1: No, I think uh, you make a great point in terms of correlating the way you think the game will play out with all of your bets, and I'm with you. If this game is under, that does give Miami the shot here if it's a uh, a little bit more of a sloppy game than what we have seen because the Seahawks offense has been absolutely sublime under right now the front runner for MVP, Russell Wilson. But, Kev, I, you know, uh, on Fantasy Freestyle in years past, I did a whole thing with trap games. Remember Fetty Wap? And I was like, it's a trap game! And I think this could be a trap game for the seattle seahawks with the travel you know and all of this uh and the heat still down there in south fla which i always talk about early in the season for the dolphins so i'm with you everything points to that it should happen right but that's where these home dogs weird things happen man this is the game kev where like You know, the Dolphins return a kickoff for a touchdown, right? Or something fluky like that happens. But I'm with you. Seattle should win this game. But, you know, every week a random home dog pops his head off that you never would have trusted, right? Jacksonville in week one, the Chargers against the Chiefs, you know? So we will see, and it is at last check. I am seeing it at six points, which is movement. Um, It was six and a half earlier in the week. Last game I want to get into in this one, we have... Two NFC teams, the New Orleans Saints, who are one and two, the Detroit Lions, who are one and two. You would not have thought these teams would be the same one and two record going into this game, okay? The Detroit Lions, though, are home dogs. This has moved a bunch, Kev. It was four early in the week. It's now five and a half that the Detroit Lions are getting. So the money is coming in on New Orleans. It looks like Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas may be back in action for the Saints, and that's a huge difference. Do the Saints just get this job done, business trip, go into Detroit and win and kind of allay some of the concerns around the Saints, around Drew Brees? Is it all Michael Thomas? And now that they have him, they could throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Like when we're here Monday, Kev, again, one of two things will happen, right? Either it's like everyone calm down. The sky was not falling. The Saints are fine. It's all, you know, the inclusion of Michael Thomas. Or... The Saints are going to be 1-3, and, and people are going to be talking about what does Drew Brees have left. What kind of conversation are we going to have on Monday about the Saints? Is this game stressing you out? A very deep sigh. This, no. This... It's just because I, the Saints, to me, like, it happens quick with quarterbacks, Kev. It happens Kev. quick with quarterbacks. And even Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? And so um, I'm trying to figure out, like, are we seeing the closing of the window or not? Like, do you and are you comfortable maybe trying to plant that flag and get ahead of like, yeah, this may be what's happening?
2: I see this is a thing where I guess I'm on an island here. The narrative really should not be about Breeze right now, and it should be about the okay. defense. Defense hmm. looked garbage for two straight weeks now, and huh? it's a defense that had picked off Brady twice, had a pick six. Like, I think Michael Thomas comes back in. I think this defense gets its head right. I think they force a couple of turnovers from Matt Stafford. I think Sean okay. Payton goes back to where he feels comfortable trying to run it up. And I think they cover the four and a half on a road. This is not a spot here where I think the Saints are going to take this game lightly. As you said, you can't go to one and three. The right, Bucs right, right. right now are big-time favorites this week. That then could be two full games back in the division. So this is a spot where the Saints need to go out there and not just get a win. The Saints are at their most comfortable when they're rolling teams. Alvin Kamara looks great. Like last year, McCaffrey got himself in the MVP conversation. Michael Thomas got himself. Like Alvin Kamara, for the non-quarterbacks, you're going to see him move up the list if he keeps – he's got two touchdowns in every single game. He right now has like the third best wide receiver numbers in the league on just wide receiver numbers and he's an elite running back as well i expect the saints to bounce back i expect the saints to roll
1: all right do you expect maddie stafford to get some production in garbage time then as well because the last couple of games we talked about cleveland dallas right houston minnesota these were games with totals in the 50s and i'm not so sure about that one this one however i think could get over this number this one however i think they could be fodder for some dfs stacks what do you say
2: yeah, I mean, you got to obviously keep in mind the prices won't be cheap. Michael Thomas will be your most sure. expensive or second most expensive receiver. But what about no a Stafford what?
1: like Galladay on the other side kind of thing, you know? Yeah, you can.
2: My thing is, I, I and this is now blind faith here because they've not really done anything over the course of the two weeks to show me that they can. But I think this defense does turn it up a bit. I think this defense, because there's still a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Though, to be fair, I think Marshawn Lattimore is a little banged up this week. So, you know, that's really the thing for me. Like, we can point to offensive struggles. We can put it on Breeze's arm. We can put it on Thomas's absence. What's going on with this defense? That's the biggest question for me. So, might this game? Yeah, this game could certainly fly over. Because if the defense hasn't fixed anything, then this game is going to get into the 60s and it's sleep. I'd like to believe that the Saints on that side of the ball have their
1: best performance since Week One. All right, um, and you know maybe Matthew Stafford, Adrian Peterson, Kenny Galladay, T.J. Hawkins, RB one, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, right. RB1 Adrian Peterson. We don't know about DeAndre Swift is getting mixed in in, in the passing game. Carry on is uh, you know, uh on waiver wires a plenty. I'm intrigued also by Hawkinson. This is a guy that was an a target. For Stafford, I want to see if he maintains the target share now that Galladay is back as well or if he was kind of more of a next man up in terms of his value, in terms of his potential. When we come back, we've got more games to discuss on a football Friday. And then in hour two, we're going to get to NBA Finals. We're going to get to the NL playoffs, which have some games today as well. A jam-packed football Friday. Come on right back. We finish hour number one of the early line after this
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: hey welcome back everybody right here onto the early line giving you the edge on sports kev we got a Big spread here with Giants-Rams. At last check, the Rams were something like 12-and-a-half point favorites. It may have even moved more from there. Um, The way I want to ask you is uh, which running game do you believe will kind of, like, ascend more? Do you trust more in like, Devontae Freeman now that he's got a week under his belt? Or Daryl Henderson, who you were down on early, sort of, like, seizing the brass ring in the Rams running back room?
2: I still maintain that I was totally right about the Daryl Henderson thing, as he came out and was not involved at all week one. But injuries okay. have forced him in. He's performed great yeah. for him. The Giants, I have absolutely no faith in anything that they're about to do uh, whatsoever. Okay. You know, as is thirteen uh, so, too many. Then Is thirteen the thing, too many. Man. We're getting ready. You know, every every week we do the f- football Friday, right? So I usually yeah. I like to call my I like to on my walks and I I think through these games. I think through these games. Sure and sure. Sometimes I come away going, I've got no idea, man. I don't know. Total, figure out a prop. Sometimes, though, sometimes you go, oh, no, that's a conviction spot. That's a spot. I'm going to lay 13. I'm going to lay 13. The Giants are garbage. Terrible. And that's the reality. What they just did against the Niners, I don't really think we should let slide by. A Niners team that basically didn't want to be in that building with missing over like 50 percent of their starters offense plus defense like the, yeah. like the top 22 and especially one of them being a quarterback and yeah. they got ran out of the building and you play a Rams team that went down 28 to three came back lost the game feel a little bit screwed I think mcVeigh and the boys go out there have a field day make this one
1: real ugly real ugly okay that is interesting remember i've also had faith in the improvement in the rams offensive line allowing guys like henderson or malcolm brown or even cam Akers, who it does not look like will be back in this one the ability to run and guess what kev my biggest thing in this game the other line, the Rams defensive line and Aaron Donald after two sacks, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, going up against that giant pile offensive line and Danny Dimes' propensity for turnovers. Oh, I think that is a bad combination. If I could find like Aaron Donald fumble recovery or you know, something like that, <laughs> sacks in the prop market, I'm going for it. Our number two of the early line on a football Friday up next